With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Halftime Adjustments on WPXI Now. Welcome to Halftime Adjustments. Seems, we got some adjustments of our own. Yes. Because I'm here. We're con- Yes. You're constantly adjusting things. It's a busy day. There's a lot going on. Indeed. So Dan was pulled away. Yes. And you're always ready, willing, and able to jump right Just in. throw up the bat signal and Chris Carter's on his way. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. The big C in the sky. Yeah, it's the giant C. Yeah. And it's just like, that's my call. And it's, uh, it's, uh, here we go. Well, we were going to start talking off. Uh, talk, we we're going to start off talking about the Steelers. That's all gone away. But that's all gone away because the NHL draft is gone. I know there's not a huge amount of interest uh, because the Penguins didn't have any big picks. But the one thing we were keeping our eye on is Matt Murray. Yes. Um, What were they going to do with Matt Murray? And they have traded Matt Murray to the Ottawa Senators. Um, They get a forward in return and a draft pick. And with the draft pick, they pick a goalie. Your initial thoughts on the trade? Well, first, getting a, a young forward in Jonathan Gruden. He's a guy that's supposed to be able to play both ways, helping out, helping out on offense and defense. They need young guys, the young speed, to come back to this team and to build around their core. They need those guys to set the tone uh, and help be those accessories to Malkin, to Crosby, and keep that if they want to keep that core together moving forward. But sending away Matt Murray is a sign of a few things here, Albie. You're, you're sending him away. You got Gruden and you got that 52nd overall pick in the second round. That pick kind of represents this, the, the Penguins. They gave up a second-round pick to make sure it was Marc-Andre Fleury that the Golden Knights took away in their, in their expansion draft. So in doing that, this sort of represents like, hey, we're reinvesting. We're trying to get something moving forward. I think this is an interesting sign here because the Penguins – they don't got a lot. They don't got a lot of ammunition right now for the very near future. And when you look at teams that have had to rebuild in hockey, the teams that invested all into just hey, keep this core together as long as you can and just see what they do. They're having a hard time rebounding, and specifically, you look at the Detroit Red Wings. They are struggling right now. They, they kept their their core that they that, you know Penns fans remember when they beat them in the 2007 Stanley Cup Finals or 2008 Stanley Cup Finals, but. Penguins fans remember remember those days when they were tough, but now they didn't invest in their future. They sold out on on the now, and now they're paying for it, and there's not really any answers as far as how they'll move from here. The Penguins, very similar situation if they didn't try to get something for the future. I see this as a trade as sort of addressing that because you can't think that uh, that the that the the two draft picks that they're that they made that they've made uh, in the second and third round are going to be guys that are going to contribute right now. It's not a surprise in the least. Uh, everybody knew they were going to unload one of the goalies before uh, the season started. It became apparent they were going to unload Matt yep. Murray. I think it's remarkable, and, and I've had several people say this to me. Matt Murray technically won two Stanley Cups as a rookie yep. based on his, uh, uh, his experience in the NFL. He was technically a rookie for both. So his first couple years, again, rookie for both. He wins the Cup. He's flying high. Uh, he can do no wrong, and a short time later, Matt Murray is out, and nobody in the Penguins uh, fan base seems to be griping about it. It's a remarkable 
uh, fall from grace for Matt Murray? I think it's just more of a natural progression of things. When you look at the um, when you look at the, when you look at the Penguins and how and how they've built, they the reason that Matt, Matt Murray he wasn't just the goalie, he wasn't the, the you know the the goalie that did everything by himself. He had a great team around him, and yes, he was very successful, and they deserve and he deserves a lot of credit for what happened in those seasons. They won their two cups, but I mean you do look at this last season. I believe this was the the worst uh, uh, save save percentage that he's had in his career, and the worst goal. Uh, no, it's not the worst goals allowed average he's had this year, but the worst save percentage. And when I look at that, I'm thinking, ah, you know, they might need to do it. It's the way Tristan, Jar Tristan, Tristan Jari stood, stood up for the Penguins this year, I think that that encouraged, you know, the front office to say, hey, let's invest in this go this goalie, move this guy on. And you can think about it again. Money, 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 too. M money's yeah. on the line here. But also, Albie, the fact that they were able to get a second-round pick for Matt Murray after what's, you know, statistically his worst save percentage year, that shows that there's some savvy there in the front office still making moves. They just got rid of Jack Johnson, which everyone, you know, a lot of Penguins fans were really happy about. Now you've moved this goal and you drafted two. Uh, the first two picks were a job. Um, Joel Blomquist in the second in the second round a finished goalie and then they went and got Callie Klang another goalie so now they're, they doubled up on goalie with their first two picks in this draft showing like hey we're thinking to the future but they're also going to be thinking about the now and how they can win with this core well and if you get back and you look at the 16 cup um, that was you know that was the time when you know Mark Andre Fleury was certainly a fan favorite but they started bringing uh, they started bringing Murray in mm -hmm. and all of a sudden there was this battle between Murray and Fleury of course everybody knows Fleury left it was Murray's job and maybe it you almost get the feeling that Murray was better uh, in the role where he was fighting for that job and once the job was his um, you know bleeding into last year uh, when Tristan Jari started to pick up a lot of the slack um, it just wasn't the same Matt Murray I mean I think there's a little bit of that too but also don't forget in those years Flurry wasn't just some guy he was filling in and making playing some huge games for the Penguins whenever Matt Murray was getting hurt and that's another thing Matt Murray did have an injury history there as you know it's natural in hockey that that happens that happens now and then but when Flurry was stepping in he was really picking up the pieces and the two of them made a great tandem through those two runs and then after Flurry left they weren't able to win again I'm not so sure it's as much as Matt Murray was this this unstoppable goalie uh, but he I think that he was a hey you know for what the Penguins were doing in those years he was a perfect fit and sometimes when you're a perfect fit doesn't mean that you're always going to be a perfect fit. And the Penguins have found that they, they need to rebuild. They need to look to the future. Um, they've kept the guys who they know they need to keep in, in their superstars. And they're like, you know what, Tristan Jari, he's kind of outperforming you right now. It makes sense. Move this guy on, get some younger talent in here, build, build them up, build them up in the minors and try to and try to get some experience with them. And then maybe those guys can become of whatever next future core that you build for the Penguins. Yeah, and I think that Mike Sullivan always erred on the side of uh, his loyalty to a guy that he knew uh, back to Wilkesbury. But the bottom line is, if you ask me what I think of this trade, totally. um, I'll say they were able to trade Matt Murray mm -hmm. when it was apparent they wanted to unload him. So instantly, That's a it's, win. it's a big win because they have uh, relieved themselves of this situation. Uh, during the draft, going into next year, there will be much more clarity with mm -hmm. Tristan Jari as your number one goalie. I agree. I think it's a good move. All right. We'll be talking Steelers and all the good moves they've been making, all the good performances on the field. How about that front four? Can it be stopped? That and more with Chris Carter and halftime adjustments right after this. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments, and now we're going to talk about COVID. Yeah, it's pretty crazy right now. Let me ask you something. What's up? You think the NFL has a problem? I think that they've got they've got something they need to address. I don't think it's an out of control problem right now, but this is the, these are the challenges that the NFL's protocols are going to have to be tested at some point. And here we are; they're getting tested. Well, when this whole thing first started with the Tennessee Titans, um, there was so much confusion. You know, is the game going to be on Monday or Tuesday? They're going to wait to get more details. Of course, they ended up canceling the game and, and or postponing the game giving the Steelers a bye week, and, you know, they closed down the facility. Those were all good decisions. Yeah. This is a serious thing. COVID's a serious thing. And yes. I think the NFL's response to what's happening, a lot of people are watching. A lot of people are wondering. Now, Ben makes some comments today. Now, let me backtrack real fast. Earlier this week, the commissioner mentions the forfeit word yep. uh, for the first time. That, that it's a possibility that teams that violate the protocols would, would face forfeits. I asked Mike Tomlin about it on Monday uh, in his news conference, Tuesday in his news conference. Mike Tomlin said, I'm not concerned with that. Mm. You know, I haven't really given that much thought, you know, on and on and on. Ben Roethlisberger had some comments today that, that a lot of fans have been asking, a lot of fans out there have asked me, hey, why should the Steelers pay the price for the, for the Titans uh, having COVID? So your thoughts on Ben's comments, what's happened in the NFL with this serious issue of COVID and anything else that's on your mind? Well, I think that there's a few aspects here. One, we all have to acknowledge this is a very difficult situation. Everyone knew there would be complications. If this was just stopping at the Titans and Steelers game needing to be postponed and that was it, I, I would I, I would you know say hey you know it's not that big a deal, but now we're seeing that with the Titans and this is this is the new news on after Ben Roethlisberger said in the morning said you know the Steelers are getting the short end of the stick and that's what he feels like it's happening and they are they had to move their midseason bye week to week four and and. The, they're going to end up having to play the Ravens a week after that. The Ravens are going to be coming off a bye. So right. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things. And it's that's three straight road games now. They've got at Tennessee in Week 7, at Baltimore in Week 8, and at the Dallas Cowboys in Week 9. That's a, that, that's a serious run of, of, of talent they've got to face right there. You think about uh, uh, Derrick Henry, then Lamar Jackson, then Ezekiel Elliott, and, all the, and Dak Prescott and all their talent over there. That's a lot of things they have to put up with, all because something that they didn't control. Right. Now, initially, I, I was like, ah, you know, Alvy, I'm not too mad, you know, because, you know, mistakes happen. We don't know if this was an error. Yeah, right. Error. Nobody it, it, knows how this happened. Right. But we now do know because the Titans, it, there was an investigation being done. They were, it is now official, they were meeting it, you know, against NFL protocols while their facilities were shut down. They were meeting as a team and practicing together which makes it much easier for them to pass COVID to each other as the NFL is trying to right. close it down, can, you know, see who has COVID, contain it, and say, okay, now that we've stopped the, the outbreak, you guys can meet back together. They broke that protocol last Wednesday, and now we have photo evidence to prove it. Um, and that, to me, and you had a Titans offensive lineman going on Twitter saying, hey, I, you know, I back up our guys for what we did. We got to, you know, our livelihoods are, are, are on the line right now. 
but at the same time, you're putting the entire league's livelihoods so, on the line. So, all right, if you're the NFL, if you're the commissioner, what needs to be done to send a message uh, that we are not going to we're not going to tolerate any violations of the protocols. I think that the, the Titans need to be let, that something needs to be dropped on them. I don't know if it's the word forfeit because there's never been a forfeit in the history of the NFL. That would also cause a lot of TV money to come off the table. I'm not sure if they're going to go that far, but I think draft picks are in order. And I think that what should happen instead of moving the Steelers and Titans game to week seven. And I said this when it was when they were trying to make this decision, they should move that and the Bills game that the Titans have to the to after the end of the season. The NFL has booked out Raymond James Stadium where the Super Bowl is being played in Tampa Bay all through April. So that means the Super Bowl doesn't have to happen in February. It can happen in March or April. Push it back. If you got to push it back, push it back. But make sure these games are played. But punish the Titans. Let, drop some hefty fines on the guys that you know broke protocols. Make sure that they lose some draft picks over this. And you know what? Something that might need to be considered is that Titans game that was supposed to be a home game for them against the Steelers. Make that a home game for the Steelers at Heinz Field. That's something that could get that the Steelers, hey, you sacrificed your free time because of this team's mess up. Here's sort of like compensation for that. There needs to be something along the lines here. I think forfeits get really dangerous because when you get in forfeits, then you're starting to say, okay, then what tiebreakers are involved? The Steelers automatically beat the Titans. Well, the Titans were undefeated. They're an AFC South leader right now. And when playoff implications come into place in the tiebreaker scenarios, does the Steelers forfeit win over the Titans, give them an advantage over another team that may have lost to the Titans? You know, it's just too many things like that I think are, are, are getting put into All play right. there. We can't get inside the head of Roger Goodell. Of course. Why would the commission mentioned the possibility of forfeits uh, if they weren't serious about it. And I agree with you. There's a lot of reasons that they can't even think about that. But, but why would he even mention that word uh, if they weren't serious about following through? I think, he, I think it was a, a serious putting the foot down to let people know, like, hey, don't forget, at the end of the tunnel, if you guys stay on this path, this is what's coming. I think this is a lot like when a player in the NFL used to get tested positive for marijuana. The first time he got caught, eh, nothing happened to you. Second time you got caught, might get a game or two suspension. Third time you got caught, four to eight game suspension. And if you kept getting it, like we saw with Martavis Bryant, the Steelers receiver from a few years ago, then it's okay. Okay, full season, bam. But the NFL works their way through these punishments. We haven't seen a draft pick loss announced yet. I think that that's what's in, in store for the Tennessee Titans. If the Titans were to keep this up and another game was to be put in jeopardy because of their actions, then I think we're talking forfeited games. All right, where do you see this going forward? We, we just have about 45 seconds, but, but do you see a building problem here? in the league around I, the NFL. I think it's something you got to be careful about because now Stephon Gilmore, the, the, the defensive player of the year for the Patriots, he tested positive for COVID-19. He was talking to Patrick Mahomes after the Patriots Chiefs game in very close proximity. And now we don't know if Patrick Mahomes has it. So there are issues at play. The NFL needs to lock down their protocols, punish the Titans, and make sure that every team understands that we are very close to this being a really pro problematic situation. They're not there just yet because they still can use their protocols to keep people in line and get games played this weekend. But if multiple games start having to be put in jeopardy every week, that's the nightmare. Yeah, they had the expanded rosters, and it seemed to be a solid uh, list of protocols going in. We'll see how this develops. All right, back with more of Halftime Adjustments right after this. Welcome, half to half, uh, welcome back to Halftime Adjustments, or welcome half to Backtime Adjustments. Oh, jeez. I'm Albie Oxenrider with Chris Carter from our partner at DKPittsburghSports.com. And, hey, Steelers, 
getting ready to tee it up with the Eagles. So the Steelers have had, they've had an extended period of rest, um, which isn't the way they wanted it to play out. The Eagles are in first place, despite the fact that their record is 1-2-1. and one. They beat a very, very depleted San Francisco 49ers team on the road. Carson Wentz. Uh, it didn't look great at times, but Carson Wentz and the Eagles did what they had to do, which was get that win. Your thoughts on this game and your thoughts on uh, where the Steelers are right now? Well, a few things here. First of all, the Eagles are in a lot of trouble. Their entire front five of their starting offensive linemen are hurt, banged up. A lot of them are questionable or either out for this game. There's going to be a lot of questions as far as how they can just implement a game plan when their entire offensive line is a mash unit and they're going up against arguably the best front four in football, and that's your Pittsburgh Steelers with Cam Hayward, Stephon Tewitt, Bud Dupree, T.J. Watt. And I say T.J. Watt twice now because he's, come, he's coming for, for Carson Wentz, who was, you know, he got sacked three times against the Niners. It's going to be a lot worse because those Niners were without Nick Bosa, who was their superstar edge rusher that they have in that game, and they were still able to, to bring the pressure. Now you're dealing with an Eagles team. Not only is their offensive line hurt up, but their receivers have been hurt up and missing. You know, Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, all those guys, they were playing with practice squad guys, and some of those practice squad guys are doing better than some of the guys that, they, that, were, that were injured, and it's just they, are, they have so much of a problem all across the board, and like you said, Carson Wentz not playing well, not making the right decisions. It's crazy, Albie. Carson Wentz's rookie year, go all the way back to 2016, when he played the Steelers, they beat the Steelers pretty badly um, at the link in Philadelphia, but now they're coming to Heinz Field. The Eagles have never won a regular season game at Heinz Field, and the Steelers, they're rested. They're, they're not happy with how this situation has gone. They are ready to tee off on somebody. I think that this is, a, this is, te this is queuing itself up to be a serious situation where the Steelers are going to be beating up on the Eagles unless they get healthy and they put together some things really quickly. Yeah, I've had discussions with friends on the other side of the state uh, going back a couple years now, and I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that Carson Wentz has a mixed and matched roster around him. He's, he's throwing to receivers. He's got to check the roster to see who he's yeah, throwing to. Yeah, he really to. does. Um, and, it, and it's difficult when, you're, when the guys up front aren't there, and Carson Wentz has had a tough time. He's also gotten a load of criticism for throws that he's made, despite the fact that there are receivers that, that shouldn't be there or, or, or you know, practice squad type players, uh, despite the fact that there's injuries galore, uh, he's made some bad decisions. I think that maybe he's tried to take too much onto his shoulders. But here's the deal. Carson Wentz, um, and there's always this comparison between quarterbacks who have done it. Ben Roethlisberger. I've had people in Philly say to me, oh, Carson Wentz, he's another Ben Roethlisberger. Well, that may be the case, but he's got to eventually show it. And part of that is having the Eagles around him heal up, which they haven't been able to do. I do give him credit for hanging in there. He's been taking a load of criticism on the talk shows out there from mm -hmm. fans. Mm -hmm. And that's a tough town uh, when you fall out of grace with, with the fans. But Carson Wentz has fought through it. I think it's going to be very difficult for him at Heinz Field on Sunday. I think it is, too. And the other thing is, don't forget, this guy, in, I think it was 2017, when he was, on he was on pace to be the NFL MVP. He was unstoppable. The Eagles were unstoppable. Then he, I think he tore his ACL. Then Nick Foles came in, and Nick Foles ended up winning a Super Bowl. But, I mean, just the entire way that, they, that this has played out with, since their Super Bowl win, with Doug Peterson at the head coaching position, you know, they've, they've lost some players here and there. They, they, they drafted Miles Sanders. He's become a decent running back for them. But now, again, their offensive line is beat up. You know, they went and addressed the cornerback position with Darius Slay in this past offseason. 
But you're, right now, they're 1-2-1. One, and, one. and yes, they're leading the NFC East, which is completely depleted right now because the Giants stink, the Washington football team stinks, and the Cowboys stink. And they stink, too. I mean, they tied the Bengals. That's their one tie there. And they don't have a bread and butter. They don't have something that you can just say, hey, you know what? This is what they'll go to. Even Dallas Goddard, their number two tight end, who Goddard and Zach Ertz, their, their two tight ends, were two of their leading receivers last year. And... Goddard's hurt and Zertz had four catches for nine yards against the Niners. Now he's going up against the Steelers, who they're not going to be afraid of your wideouts. They're not going to be afraid of your offensive line. They're going to they're going to rush. They're going to rush for cover the cover up. They're probably going to double team uh, Ertz with Edmonds and Bush and try to you know just try to tee off on him, take away. I think this has a potential to be a several turnover game type of game performance. For the Steelers in this game, they're, they're going to get pressure on Carson Wentz. He's probably going to start to rush his throws a little bit. That's going to allow Joe Hayden, Steven Nelson, Minka Fitzpatrick, Mike Hilton, all those guys in the secondary to get aggressive in, with against the ball. I think that you could chalk up a lot of turnovers in this game. I'd say I'd say the the low the, the over under of turnovers in this game should be three and a half. I think we <laughs> sometimes I get that look from Dean and he and I know what he's saying. Get back off camera. Dean's the get back coach. Back off. Back <laughs> off. All right. I don't want to go too far. I'll fall. I'll fall. Um, all right. We have about a minute. We all know that there's momentum with players and with teams within games. I see this as momentum is building as a team from game to game for the Steelers. This is a team that through three games, Ben Roethlisberger's already answered a lot of questions. He looks strong. Um, you know, if they can, if they can stay healthy on that offensive line, defense looks good. Receivers, Deontay Johnson is back. This is a team that I think can beat you in a lot of ways. They can beat you with different receivers. They can beat you with the tight end. Um, there's a lot of good stuff happening with Eric Ebron right now. This is a team that seems to be uh, in the right kind of a groove. I agree. The offense has a lot of weapons at their hands. They can they can score. Depends on where Ben Roethlisberger goes. He has seven touchdowns, one interception. You're going to hear more about that on uh, the Fantasy Football Insider right after this show. But I think that he's going to be able to light it up this weekend. All right. Our final thoughts. <laughs> so he gets excited talking about fantasy football as well. And when I don't step into the middle of the uh, screen here. Back with our final thoughts on halftime adjustments after this. At least from the Pittsburgh perspective, baseball's finished, hockey's finished. Uh, now everybody can just put full attention on the Steelers. This is going to be a fun run through the rest of October, November, and December. Absolutely. Hey, guys, uh, unless the next, unless the Titans game does get canceled or forfeited or moved to the end of the season, you got 13 straight weeks of Steeler football. That's something to celebrate. The offense is playing efficiently. The defense is, is on fire. I think this is a really good chance to watch your Steelers play well. I'm going to tell you guys after this on Fantasy Football Insider which Steelers you should be looking at in fantasy this week. I got, I got some weaknesses and that Eagles defense that they can target. But before we do that, Alvin, we got to change clothes real quick so we can get into the, our outfits. Yeah, the Fantasy Football Insider coming up, powered by Cal U, by the way. Yes. It's coming up right after this. We're going to have about 90 seconds to change clothes, get all of our information on the board. Mm -hmm. we'll, I, we have plenty of time to do that. By the way, are you in any fantasy leagues with Dean? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. He, because I, 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 th I said I would dominate his work one, and he never let, invited me. He has the belt sitting right at his desk, reminding us always that he was once a champion. Thanks for joining us. See you next week.